Merry Christmas, beloveds. My name is Reverend Margaret Ernst, and I'm recording from Lenape Hoking Territory in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. You're listening to The Word is Resistance. This is an offering of showing up for racial justice. The Word is Resistance is a weekly reflection, challenge, and encouragement designed for and directed primarily at white Christians. Each week, we explore what our sacred texts have to teach us as white people, compelled by the liberating story of Jesus, about showing up in solidarity for racial justice, to overcome tyranny, oppression, racism, and more. In other words, the word is resistance, is prayerfully having a conversation, helping us to live out our faith in the times we are living right now. This live recording of Dr. Vincent Harding's song for the freedom movement that you'll hear throughout the podcast is of a multiracial movement choir practice that happened in Denver, Colorado in December, 2014. That practice was led by Minister Daryl J. Walker, whose voice you'll hear too. And we are so grateful to the Freeney Harding family for letting us use the song for this podcast. Every year, right around Thanksgiving, I turn on my Sadvent playlist on Spotify. Sad plus Advent equals Sadvent. Advent, the season we have finished as of Christmas, is a time of waiting. You'll probably know it's a time of quiet hope. It's also a time of darkness. And we've been talking throughout the season at my church at Advent, at St. Paul's UCC Birdsboro in Pennsylvania, about darkness and the spiritual power of darkness about its history of how white and black and dark and light are cast in racist and historically damaging tones. We've been talking about how every year there's often little darkness to be found in Advent in the season preceding Christmas. You see, everywhere is lit. We light our trees, the shop windows, the streets. And so, perhaps in somewhat of a protest to all this merriment, I put on my headphones and listen to my Sadvent playlist. The playlist has grown through the years. As I add any Christmas song I hear in a minor key, I'll put the link in the show notes if you want to follow this playlist. I look for songs that have some brokenness in them, some longing, and not just longing for presents and eggnog, but longing for better days, a better world. The louder the Christmas trumpets blare, the more I want to embrace the darkness of Advent of the in-between space between the broken, hurting world and the salvation that we Christians find in Christ. Because that in-between space is truthfully where we spend most of our times as humans. It's the place where our souls dwell, when we are unsure of the future, when we are nursing our wounds from the past. Unsure of the future is exactly where we sit right now. Just a few days ago, it was the winter solstice, the darkest and longest night of the year. And I don't know about you, but this year the night feels darker and longer than usual. We have heard news of deaths of workers on the floors of candle and Amazon factories by tornadoes. While the number of COVID cases spikes and people we know are sick and dying and hospitals fill up again. Just when we thought we might have a more normal Christmas this year, events and trips and worship services are canceled as we keep each other safe from the Omicron variant. We are besieged by climate change and we research flood insurance for what used to be 100 year floods, which will now come more frequently. 
This year, U.S. troops came home from Afghanistan, only to have Taliban fighters immediately take over. We lost the longest war in U.S. history, with over 2,400 Americans killed, over 20 years of endless war, 241,000 Afghanis killed. And now, in this very time, millions of people in Afghanistan are in danger of dying from hunger in a repeat of generations of cycles of imperialism and neglect. With the pandemic and other aspects of the state of our world, we are living through massive collective trauma. Though we each experience it differently based on the facts of our lives, we are all literally survivors right now. Grief and despair are completely normal responses to the conditions in which we live. And yet we, here we are celebrating the birth of Christ, the incarnation of God's love into the world, of God's togetherness with us as people. Well, if you have ever gone through a loss, you know that grief and love have a lot to do with each other. In his book, The Smell of Rain on Dust, Martin Prechtel writes that grief is praise because it is the natural way that love honors what it misses. Grief is praise. It is the natural way love honors what it misses. And yet grief is not to be taken lightly, nor is depression, nor addiction, nor isolation, or illness, or pain of any kind. The hardest parts of our lives are often what teach us about God, but that simply means that God is with us through them, not that God wants or plans for us to suffer. Megan Devine, a speaker on grief, says some things cannot be fixed. They can only be carried. We are taught in church and in the act of communion that we carry the world's suffering together. Pain and shame grows in isolation. Community is the medicine. Vulnerability is the hope. We would much rather tell each other that we are fine, that things are looking up. We live in a positivity-focused society that celebrates competence, togetherness, efficiency, and optimism. But as Henry Nouwen wrote about compassion, compassion asks us to go where it hurts to enter into the places of pain, to share in brokenness, fear, confusion, and anguish. Compassion challenges us to cry out with those in misery, to mourn with those who are lonely, to weep with those in tears. Compassion means full immersion in the condition of being human. The full condition of being human is exactly what God took on with the birth of Jesus, Christians believe. What kind of condition? Not a rich suburban lifestyle where everything worked out. Not the condition of a billionaire or a powerful politician or athlete or movie star. God came to earth in a place trampled by endless repression by superpowers. God came to earth in a poor girl who we heard from throughout Advent. God came to earth in a backwater colony 
of the Roman Empire from a town where people said nothing ever good could come from. In first century Palestine, Mary and Joseph's situation might have felt a lot like Veronica and Alex, who live outside of Allentown, near where I pastor. Veronica and Alex were profiled on NPR. They live in their Hyundai, in a Walmart parking lot, with two kids, as they work at the Walmart for minimum wage, alternating shifts. Veronica on the day shift, Alex on the night shift. Can you imagine being pregnant and not having a secure place to have your child? The Palestinian theologian, Mitri Raheb, talks about how when God came to earth in human form in Jesus, it was not coincidence that it was to Mary in Palestine. The land between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean was historically, in the ancient world as it is today, a buffer zone. It is a buffer zone on the edge between military and economic powers. And thus, Palestine's control was and still is so important. The condition of Palestine for thousands of years has been defined by three states of being. Being a battlefield, under occupation, and divided. And it's actually exactly these conditions that Rahab claims made this place the small corner of the globe where the world's three monotheistic religions were born. The Gospels are closely connected to a certain land, says Rahab. The geographic location of Jesus's birth, like Mary's social location, is not arbitrary. The hope for the whole world was born in occupied Palestine, in the buffer zone. Rahab was born in Bethlehem itself to a Palestinian Christian family. And he writes in Faith in the Face of Empire about the survival and resilience of his own people, Palestinians, in the face of present-day occupation by the state of Israel today. Rahab says that for him, facing the empire with open eyes allows us to analyze what is happening, while at the same time we develop the ability to be beyond, see beyond our present capacities. Hope is living the reality and yet investing in a different one. It's not comfortable to think or talk about those realities, especially when they're controversial. But when we don't make space for the brokenness or controversy of our world at Christmas, we take God's choice out of the picture. The problem, I think, is that we have not just taken Christ out of Christmas, but more that we have taken reality out of Christmas. The creator of the universe joined with us in our pain, and that is what is central to the meaning of the incarnation. But no, ignore the pain, ignore the addiction, ignore the cancer diagnosis, we are told. Ignore the endless wars and the crying refugees. Buy this watch and this new phone. Be a good citizen and patriot. Forget about your depression or the loss or the breakup. Retail therapy and happy music will solve it all. In reality, to embrace hardship and be honest about our pain is not to drag Christmas down. It is what it means to be fully present to the Christ child. It is what it means to show up like a shepherd or a wise man on that quiet dark night when a young unwed mother and her construction worker husband bore a child in a stable when they were houseless and fleeing the authorities. Down and out is exactly where the Christ child came into the world. God chose us. God chose our mess. 
God chose our brokenness, our shame. God chose our weeping, our wailing. God chose our muffled cries into the pillow at night. Frederick Buechner said, once we believe we have seen God in a stable, we can never be sure where God will appear. He said, if the holiness and the awful power and majesty of God were present in this birth of a peasant's child, then there is no place or time so lowly and earthbound that holiness can't be present to. To be honest about the Christmas blues is not to take the magic out of Christmas. It's to get real about what Christmas magic really is through God's love for us in our lowest times. Christmas magic is getting through what you never thought you could get through. Christmas magic is finding your way when you thought you were lost. Christmas magic is deciding to get up in the morning when you'd rather give up for good. So no matter what you are holding this Christmas, lean into the trust that you don't need to carry it alone. No matter what hurt feels like too much, know that God meets you there and does not shy away. No matter what you've done or what has been done to you or what questions you hold for God, know that the divine holds you in a radical embrace. No matter how far you feel from your joy or the self that you want to be, know that you are loved just as you are right now. years ago, in this same lectionary cycle, Reverend Ann did a podcast for Christmas called The Shepherd's Jubilee. She spoke of the social location of the shepherds and why it matters. Shepherds were not, contrary to popular Christian teaching, they were not scorned by their fellow Jews in society in first century Palestine. They were valued, but they were certainly on the bottom rung of society. Their labor was necessary in the food system, and yet it was low-waged. Sound familiar? The shepherds were essential workers. Today, in our own economy, farm workers are primarily people of color and often undocumented, people whose work is valued, but whose lives are considered expendable. And so when we are asked as pastors to talk about the meaning of Christmas, or if you are asked this week by your children or grandchildren or friends or nieces or nephews, We might not be in the best position to know what Christmas means if we haven't talked to someone recently who's in the position of a shepherd. If we have food in our fridge and money in our bank accounts and citizenship in the U.S. as a global superpower, we're not likely to know what good news might have meant to a low-wage worker in ancient Judea. We can't say why they felt such ecstasy and relief why they would have traveled immediately to the manger to see this thing that has taken place. Instead, we must guess. And we must use the vantage point of the shepherd as a litmus test of what we are told is the good news of Christmas. Because we know that if it's not good news for the shepherd, it's not the news of Christmas. 
If it's not good news for the farm worker or the meat packer working through a pandemic, then it's not the good news of Christmas. If it's not good news for the grocery store shelver working the night shift before Christmas Eve, it's not the news of Christmas. If it's not good news for the home health care aide taking off her shoes after a long day of work, it's not the news of Christmas. If it's not good news for the medical tech working in the COVID way, or good news for the family facing addiction or gun violence, or crushed by medical or student debt, it's not the good news of Christmas. If it's not the good news to someone who has just received a cancer diagnosis or an HIV diagnosis, or for people who don't know where they'll sleep tonight, then it's not the news of Christmas. The joy of Christmas that we celebrate is scandalous and dangerous to the powers that be for exactly these reasons. Jesus came not just to save our souls, but our bodies my body, your body, the despised body, the parts of our bodies that give us shame, the hurting body, the traumatized body. Jesus promised us not just a new heaven or a new earth outside and beyond our humanity, but here in the flesh, newness and aliveness right now, full aliveness beyond all forms of domination. We may never know what exactly the shepherds felt that night when the angels came to them. We may never know what it would have meant to them, what hope and freedom filled their hearts as they sat by the manger of the Christ child. So in place of certainty, we are called to go to the places where today's shepherds dwell, to work alongside the shepherds, to witness with them. We are called to do the work of the kingdom that has come and is coming. Amen. Thanks, as always, for joining us. We would love to hear from you all, and especially from folks of color and non-Christian folks, by commenting on our SoundCloud or Twitter or Facebook pages. You can help keep us accountable to what we're trying to do here. You can fill out a survey on our podcast page at Surge. That's S-U-R-J dot O-R-G. Give us a like or rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you check out our podcasts and tell a friend about it. You can also sign up at surge.org for Surge Faith updates and and find transcripts for every episode. These include references, resources, and action links. At that same page, there's information about our campaign that's been going for a few years now to equip faith communities to divest from policing and instead invest in community care. And finally, a huge thanks, as always, to our sound editor, the wonderful Claire Hitchens. I hope you have a good Christmas, friends. Howard Thurman, the mystic and civil rights leader, wrote this famous quote, May it be a blessing to you and your loved ones. When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, When the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among brothers, to make music in the heart. Merry Christmas.